Welcome to the Extraordinary Women Podcast, where we are all about supporting women over 40 to create and live a fabulous next chapter. You are in a unique generation of women, unlike any before you, with opportunities and longevity that means it's time to intentionally design your fabulous next chapter rather than just live it. That is what the Extraordinary Women magazine and podcast are all about. Let's get started. Welcome everyone to episode 117 of the Extraordinary Women podcast. I'm Sherry Harmel, Editor-in-Chief of the Extraordinary Women magazine, as well as host of this podcast. Well, today I have the pleasure of chatting with Jen Bakos, who is a food, lifestyle, and sometimes wedding photographer. Jen shares all about her photography journey, which really is a testament to following what it is that you love. Jen also shares about the challenges and the joys of being self-employed because she has been her entire career. She also shares a few photography tips for all of us amateur photographers. So I'll stop talking now and let Jen share with all of you. Let's get started. Jen, I am so excited you're here today because First of all, I covet photography. I wish I had a photographer's eye and skill level, and yet I absolutely love it. I was so excited to talk to you today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Oh, good. (laughs) Well, bring us back to the very beginning when you first figured out that you loved photography. Yeah, so I really started as an artist in general. When I was a kid, I did a lot of drawing and painting and... um, just always kind of arts and crafts and things. And then I really picked up photography as a way to document my family and things we were Mm. doing because my parents had done that for a long time. And then as we got older, everyone got busier. And I think we just got gifts, like little point and shoot cameras as gifts or like Mm -hmm. disposables. And yeah, I really started to pick it up more so around high school I did the regular photography courses in high school, the darkroom and everything, which was great. The real photography. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was happy to have that experience. Yeah. There's not many darkrooms anymore. No. (laughs) And then I didn't really know you could make a career out of it till later. Mm. I did end up going to art school in Maine at Maine College of Art for a year and was kind of exploring all the different mediums because we had to take different classes to start and... I really just wanted more photography. So Mm. I found a photography school through another student. They had been talking about in the darkroom. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this sounds incredible. We weren't going to be able to do much photography till our third year at this art school. So I was like, I need more. (laughs) Yeah. So I ended up transferring to the photography school, which was in Western Massachusetts. And it was photography 24-7. And how to start a career and create a website. And Mm -hmm. it was amazing. (laughs) So it kind of just went from there. Wow. So did you do that? Did you, I mean, did you go to work in any kind of a setting or did you work for yourself? What happened? Yeah. So um, the school, the photography school is about a year. And like I said, they taught us a lot about the business side, creating a website, 
mm-hmm. we had to make a business plan to leave the schools. Oh, cool. Um, it was really important wow. to do that. So I basically created a list of photographers that I wanted to meet or intern with. And mm-hmm. I just started reaching out to a lot of them and a lot of emailing back then. <laughs> yeah. So after I graduated, I did sort of start freelance on my own. And I was also looking for an internship to kind of learn more, see what real life photography was like. Mm-hmm. And I got an internship out in San Francisco. So I started out that. And I also, again, was freelancing and kind of working on the side at a little gift shop. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I did start doing some trade work with other businesses and started to work with food stylists. My focus is mostly food photography and products. So I was really trying to get into it that way. (laughs) Was that your intention when you were in photography school, really to go that direction? Because it seems like photographers are either people photographers or Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, as you call it, lifestyle. Yeah. 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 So when I was in school, I didn't really know which direction I wanted to go in. But the great thing about the school is that we had classes that were wedding photography, portrait, we had portrait studios, we had a pet photography class one day, we had aerial photography. So they gave us a wide variety. But when I got into the commercial studio, and we started doing product and food, I really fell in love with it. And Mm. I really enjoyed being able to play with the color, the composition. And I was also very shy back then. So I was happy to not have to talk to people. (laughs) So I could just kind of focus in and just enjoy that peaceful part of it. <laughs> but you also um, do, you also do weddings, you said. I a do, yeah. So yep. <laughs> how would you describe the difference besides the emotional aspect as you just right. described? <laughs> I don't have to deal with the people, so to speak. I can move things around, but you can yeah. move people around too, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's yeah, it was Yeah, it was a funny kind of way that I went about it. I told myself I would never do wedding photography. <laughs> and then... Go. As you get out of school, you have a lot of debt and an easy way to break into photography is assisting other photographers. I started second shooting as an assistant on weddings and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this, but the money was good. (laughs) And I noticed a very big difference right away. I was just kind of thrown into it and it was so much more fast paced than working in the studio. Weddings, they're on a specific timeline. A lot of it can be rushed and... Emotions are high. People are stressed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was definitely an adjustment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Part of me looks at still photography, almost like still life artwork from the standpoint that everything is fixed and right. there's a real art to it. And many of us who use our iPhones and take photographs of our dinners or a dessert or whatever it yep. is, we don't really get it. So is there a connection? You're an artist. Is there a connection between Zill Life and photography? I think that, like you said, the photographer's eye, the artist's eye, um, Mm. being able to notice lighting and color. I really believe that Mm. it's a lot about the color, the composition, textures, and how light plays with that. And I think that's the same for somebody who's a painter or someone who draws. A lot of similarities there. Yeah, Yeah, still life and photography. Makes sense. (laughs) It's interesting. Yeah. To me, it's very interesting. So in your business, explain what you do, because I know you look at your website, there's a real small business farm to table focus, Mm -hmm. but share that, how you have built that. And let me back up a little bit. Are you still in New Hampshire? Yes. (laughs) So you really focus on New England. 
Mm-hmm. which yep. you're geographically constrained to some extent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so talk about it. So I kind of got started doing a lot of editorial. And uh, like I said, I did some trade work when I was starting out. One of my first jobs was trading for cupcakes, which was really fun. <laughs> oh, interesting. So when you say yeah. trade work, you mean trading for stuff rather right. than yeah. money. So, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would reach out to small businesses and tell them, you know, I was starting out. Um, if we could trade for products, that'd be great. A lot of times it was food. So, you know, yeah. didn't go hungry. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then I really wanted to start working for some magazines. So I was reaching out to magazines and kind of seeing if I could shoot for them or start out. And mm-hmm. at first they said, you know, build up your portfolio. We want to see a little more variety, stuff like that. So I would just kind of start shooting whatever. I would bring my camera everywhere. I would bring stuff mm. home from the local farms or the grocery stores and bring it to my kitchen table at home and shoot it. At the time, Instagram wasn't really that big of a thing for businesses. It was still very personal based. So getting your name out there was much different than it is now. So getting my work in the magazines was a big deal because I was connecting with small businesses and other people in the area then the magazines would come back to me and start hiring me more and more. And I feel like that's how I really got a good start going because the businesses I worked with would like the work that I did with the magazine and want to hire me for their own shoots. And it sort of snowballed from there. Yeah, I would do a lot of that, a lot of ed- editorial. And it really created so many connections for me. Mm. And eventually that turned into businesses reaching out to me. People would hear like word of mouth you know, sure. she did these photos for me, they would be great for you kind of thing. And it really has snowballed from there. And I'd say it took a solid five years to okay. really get my name out there. Yeah. You know, don't breeze over, Jen, that time <laughs> period when the magazine would come back and say, you need to build up a portfolio. Right. So share if you can a little bit more about the persistence that took and how many times you had to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, who you contacted, not, yeah. not the individual names, but departments, that yeah. sort of thing. Tell us more about that. Sure. Yeah. I reach out again. I was really shy. So I'd reach uh-huh. out via email instead of phone call. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I would just look on websites of magazines, local magazines and see who their art department was or who the editors were. Anyone that had anything to do with photography, I would try mm. to reach out to them and say like, Hey, if you need somebody new or if you need someone to fill in some gaps, let me know. And typically they would ask for my portfolio or just see if I had done any other work. And if I hadn't or, you know, didn't have much work back then, they mm-hmm. kind of told me, hey, like, here's what you could work on. Try focusing more on, I don't know, telling a story with the photography or mm. focusing in on the process of what this person is making or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of went back and forth for a bit. I did some work, but it was a lot of like radio silence. Mm -hmm. So I just kept emailing people. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, yeah, I got lucky because I eventually emailed a magazine that was just starting out as well. So Edible New Hampshire, which Edible magazines are kind of a franchise. You can start them anywhere. Okay. So one was beginning in New Hampshire because we hadn't had one. and. Yeah, I got in contact and luckily they were on the seacoast, which is where I was at at the time. And yeah, I just, the timing was right, which was really lucky. And so they took me on and eventually we just started shooting full issues together. And yeah, it kind of went from there. So I made a lot of connections in my little area 
Mm-hmm. And eventually it started branching out. So I was working with New Hampshire Magazine after that, and then some bigger magazines from there. But yeah, it was a really just good timing kind of moment. So yeah. sometimes the universe kind of helps you out a little bit in that yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, but you were preparing yourself all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I think is so critical for everyone yeah. to hear. Mm-hmm. is some famous person much smarter than me said something like the secret to success is being yes. prepared when the mm-hmm. opportunity presents itself. Totally. And yeah, and there you were. <laughs> so don't give up, right? No, don't not give at all. Up, whatever somebody's <laughs> dream is. So really the first big break, as I understand it, is Edible New Hampshire, the magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you grew at the same time as they grew that magazine. Mm-hmm. And so where has this gone? Is it still magazines? Which the magazine industry is really, that's changed in this oh, time yeah, period definitely. too. Yeah. So talk about some of that. Yeah. Along with the editorial, I was shooting a lot of weddings and As I was going along, I was trying to gain my own clientele that was not editorial. It was working directly with clients, a lot of cafes, a lot of food product clients. A lot of my clients are honey, tea, maple syrup, stuff like Mm. that. (laughs) Working with a lot of restaurants, a lot of farmers. And that's still true today. I work with a lot Mm -hmm. of of the same kind of people. I have some of the same clients that I started out with, which is really lucky. Mostly I work for my own clients now. I don't do as much editorial, but editorial is my favorite. And it's just, I've gone from, you know, magazine to magazine. I still work with a lot of the same people that I did when I was starting out, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say very big mix of mostly food product, especially after the pandemic. A lot of, I did a lot more product photography than, you know, restaurant photography just because of the way things changed. Um, Sure. A lot of lifestyle and brand. What's the difference between food and lifestyle? Because I saw that on your website where you defined weddings, food, lifestyle. Mm -hmm. What is lifestyle photography? I kind of categorize it as seeing a product in motion or how it can be used, kind Mm -hmm. of giving people a sense of how a product can be used in your daily life, whether it's like an actual garment, a bag, a type of tea, something like that. I think it's like a kind of a mix of all things, usually with a human okay. element in there. So like if we have a model or a client using the product, something like that okay. versus straight food photography could be more in studio. It could be just like restaurant for mm-hmm. their menu, something like that, where it's not really people in there. It's just of the food itself. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it does. But it's all mm-hmm. in a moment in time yeah. versus a video. Is that correct? Video you could label the same way. Okay. Mm And do you like video? I do. I haven't really practiced it too much myself. Um, Mm -hmm. I am definitely a traditional photographer, but video is a big thing. So it's something I'd like to explore more. I just don't like the, there's a lot more editing involved. So a lot more sitting on the computer, which is not really my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. It Mm -hmm. truly makes sense. The editing process is always the worst, even for podcasts, if you want to know the truth. (laughs) But talk a a little bit, if you can, or clarify, what do the businesses do with these photographs? And do you typically package it up or we want something for, I don't know, the holiday time period or, you know, our particular products. How does, how does that all work? What do they do with them? Yeah. So I'd say most of my clients use their imagery that I create for social media, Instagram promotion. And then I think a lot of my clients use their photography for email marketing, which is pretty big. And then website, of course, 
advertisements online. So you Facebook ads, I see a lot of those come up. And sometimes, not every time, but like print materials from promotional use, okay. ads in magazines. But yeah, mostly web and social media. That's the big ones. Yeah. Interesting. And if someone wanted to hire you, because you're really great, and I'm thinking of myself, because I'm <laughs> Boston. But if we wanted to hire you, and it wasn't right where you are in New England or in the New Hampshire area, can they hire you? Do you ever do that where you go to different parts of the United States? Yeah, yeah, I have a few times. I'd love to do it more. But yeah, I've, you know, worked with some different companies to fly me out to places. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been yeah. really fun or drive. Mostly it's been for editorial. So working with magazines and they'll fly me out to a place to cover a business. Cause a lot mm -hmm. of what I like to do is photograph people making things or making what they're passionate about. I can go to their space and photograph yeah. them in their space and photograph what they're making. So I enjoy that. So that's mostly what I've flown out for, but okay. I would happily do any flying Anything. around to find or uh, to work. Yeah. But I've had a lot of clients also ship me products. So um, oh. I've had people from other states send me their products. Like I had a honey client send me some stuff from Florida and they kind of left it up to my discretion and artistic oh. eye and yeah. style it myself in my apartment. That's what I did a lot of in the pandemic. I was able to just kind of shoot at home. Oh, wow. That way. Yeah. I wondered about that artistic bent because for instance, let's say I was a honey maker as mm -hmm. an example or a honey producer. I don't have the eye. So I would tell you, you know, here's my company, here's the logo mm -hmm. and what would you do with it? So how often do you come in and say to the client, this is what I think you need, how it needs to be presented? Yeah. Definitely have a lot of conversations with clients about like the look and feel, what their brand identity is, colors and mood. You know, is it rustic and moody mm -hmm. or is it bright and airy? What are they trying to convey to their customers? Mm -hmm. Even little things like, you know, what is the age group they're marketing towards? Mm -hmm. Specifics like that are really helpful. So we do try to have those conversations. And then I have a very small collection of like props, surfaces, linens, dishware that mm -hmm. I can pull from. And then I also work with prop stylists, food stylists who are great at bringing those elements in. And we all have conversations and look at inspiration online and kind of pull together our ideas and creativity to kind of come up with a shot list. So sure. it's very collaborative, which is nice. Yes. I also see that all through your website. That's just kind of who you are, which is interesting. A really crazy question, but is the <laughs> food edible or is it all <laughs> sprayed with things to make it look so pretty that you would never, ever? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, mostly it is edible. It depends on the shoot. So if it's something more editorial, I'd say it's more natural. Mm -hmm. If it is a more commercial job, there are tricks that we do that maybe can make it less edible. Or if it's been sitting out for a while, you don't really want to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have seen some really cool techniques from food stylists and prop stylists. They have some really cool tricks that make things really interesting. Personally, I haven't done anything too crazy, but I did do a beer cover shoot where the foamy head on the beer was actually foaming hand soap. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it worked really, it worked really well. <laughs> <laughs> what are the most bizarre tricks that you've had a food stylist use that you're um, like, wow. 
<laughs> I think a lot of people are surprised when they find out what ice cream is made out of <laughs> fake ice cream. Oh, really? A lot of the times um, stylists will use, I think it's Crisco, like the shortening with powdered sugar and or cocoa powder. And so they can kind of like mold it and make it look oh, just wow. like real ice cream. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but there are some rules where if you are advertising the ice cream itself, it has to be the actual product. Okay. And then if it's just a prop, so like if you were selling the cookie and the ice cream was on top, the ice cream doesn't necessarily have to be real. So okay. there oh are some gosh. things you have to be mindful of. <laughs> yes, but who would think there's rules like that? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that makes perfect sense. But the beer mm-hmm. foam, no rules. It could potentially right. be mm-hmm. obviously so, <laughs> which is very fun. What kinds of tips, if you were giving a seminar to mm-hmm. a woman that's starting her business, can't afford you, needs to take photographs with yeah. her iPhone, probably, yeah. for Instagram, typically it's just social media. What are some tips and tricks that you tell them? Yeah, some of my like go-to ideas or tips are turn off all ambient light, use a window light. You can kind of see in my screen right here, I have mm-hmm. a window light next to me. And I have my kitchen lights on, but I would turn the kitchen lights off, just use this one window. And then something great you can do is if you want to play with shadows or not, you Mm -hmm. can use a white bounce card to bounce that light back on your subject. What does that mean? Just use like a foam core board. You can even just use a white piece of paper. And that is a really great way to lift the shadows a little bit. So if you didn't have that card, you'd have really deep shadows, especially if it's a cloudy day. So you could use that card to bounce the light back, fill in the shadows a little more. So that's kind of like a very general tip I give people. But yes, turn off your orange yellow lighting. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. For all of you that are just listening to this, I'm in Paris. So it is, so I don't know, almost seven o'clock at night here. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah. And Jen's back in the States where it's, oh, I don't know, two o'clock, something like that. About one o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I have the lights on in my apartment and it looks totally normal to me. But yet mm-hmm. when we're looking at the screen, everything looks yellow in yep. comparison to <laughs> Jen's room, which is very interesting. So photograph during the day is what I also hear you say. Yeah. If you don't have any professional lighting, you know, you're just working with like kitchen lights. I always say, turn mm-hmm. those lights off, use the natural mm-hmm. light. And then there are really affordable ways you can change that too. And you know, you could grab just a ambient one light from Home Depot and play around with that. As long as you turn all the other lights off, like start with one light and work from there. When you say one light, you mean like a lamp? Yep, Uh, it could be a lamp. lamp. Lamps are a little tricky because they throw light in different directions. So Mm. it might be hard to use at first. Okay. Um, But the easiest starting point is just a window light that doesn't have direct sun. They always say north facing light is the best because it's nice and even. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. What about um, those circles that I see advertised all the time on Amazon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, rings. Ra- the rings are great. A lot of people use those for portrait lighting. Those are amazing because they are very even. They make your skin look great. <laughs> I'm off for <of> that. <laughs> yeah, you could attempt with some food photography. I think it could work. I haven't mm-hmm. tried it. But since it is a very even light, I think that'd be a great way to play around with it. Mm-hmm. Just see what it looks like from different angles. Mm-hmm. Food photography looks best if it's from the side light or backlit, never from the front. That's like a general rule. Obviously, you can play around with it. Oh, interesting. Break the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But say that again. Food photography looks best when what? 
If it's side lit or backlit. Side lit or backlit mm-hmm. rather than the light in front, which yeah. is interesting because yeah. all of us are taking <laughs> our pictures right. in restaurants and the camera shoots the light onto the, so it's front lit to the food, which is why it never looks as great as it does in real yeah. life. So, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But trends change too. So like direct okay. flash is coming back. Harsh light is a big trend right now. So really? Yeah. Intense shadows. People are loving that. When I was starting out, it was very soft, cloudy lighting, very mm. like even, but now it's going to very punchy, intense shadows, harsh lighting, like poppy colors. So it's changed a bit and it's kind of cool to see. Yeah. Has colors changed also? What you've seen in like the last 10 years, does that flow too? Yeah, I think people are using a lot of bright colors right now. And this is Mm. food photography specific from what I've seen. Okay. And then when I was starting out, at least from my perspective, everything was very farmhouse and rustic and antique cropping and Mm -hmm. just very like soft colors. But yeah, now it's very poppy, which is really interesting and cool. Yeah. To me, it's fascinating that something such as what we visually are attracted to changes Mm -hmm. over time. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you think it's going? That is a great question. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like this trend started a couple of years ago and it's probably just becoming more and more. I don't know. I try to follow a very large variety of different food photographers and from all over the world just to see kind of what they're doing. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been seeing most of. I feel like that might stick around for a bit. I'm not sure if what it's going to go towards next. (laughs) Yeah. Do you see it also in other forms of photography, even people, even weddings? Are you seeing more uh, almost realism uh, rather than moody, if Mm -hmm. that makes any sense? Yeah, I think a lot of the wedding photography that I've been seeing the last couple of years has had a very like Southwestern vibe or, or like, I don't know, a lot of orange tints and a little more sepia tone. Um, now I see it going towards, we've always been trying to replicate film and the look of film. And I feel mm-hmm. like that is coming back, but in a different way, just I've seen a lot more direct flash. So it looks more like somebody used disposable camera. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's been a newer trend. I think that I've been seeing more of lately. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes as well. Sorry, there's a little fly. (laughs) Now, let me ask, if you had a young child that was interested in photography, because it feels like the only thing that's left out there is the iPhone, which you would never (laughs) hand to a eight-year-old and say, just take my phone and go play with it. (laughs) What would you do with a youngster that was really as maybe intrigued by photography as you were as a kid? Um, what's cool is they make some really easy, durable, small digital cameras now that are for kids. Really? That have like very simple buttons on them. And digital is great because it's kind of endless as long as you have enough memory. And I feel like that would be a great way to get, show get a younger person what they can do with it. And you mm-hmm. get that instant gratification and instant learning too. So you mm-hmm. could see what you did and change it automatically. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that would be. A great way to start. Great way to start. Yeah. So what about the old fogies like myself who want to become <laughs> better photographers? I mean, an iPhone is one way to play with it, I guess, mm-hmm. but how to get better because each photograph is so very different. It's hard right. to 
retain, well, what made that one good, mm-hmm. that photograph good, and that one not so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, iPhones are great. I use mine all the time. I think it's a fun okay. way to be able to play with color composition in a mm-hmm. simple way. And it's just a really good way to train your eye to see things differently and, you know, line things up in a frame. Mm-hmm. So I think that's great. I'd say there's tons of online classes that are amazing, mm-hmm. but also a lot of photographers teach workshops now. And maybe it's less okay. in person because of the pandemic. But yeah, before that, I know like there were a lot of people doing in-person workshops and I'm hoping that's coming back because mm-hmm. I think in-person is so great and valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can ask questions right there. Even just reaching out to a photographer that you know. I've mm-hmm. had friends reach out to me, ask mm-hmm. me, like, how do I use my camera? How can I do this better? And I've worked with them on it. And it's been really fun to kind of see them improve. Sometimes yeah. I'll do trades with other people. I have a friend that is going to be helping me, like, edit some photos in trade for me doing photos for her. So we're doing a shoot today. <laughs> okay. How cool. Very yeah. cool. You have really worked for yourself for your entire career. Talk about the challenges of that, the joys of that, you know, how do you keep yourself also on track? Mm -hmm. Because it's not easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, This is my 12th year in business, which is kind of crazy to think about. I did mention I did assist other photographers along the way, but mostly I've worked for myself and Mm -hmm. it is scary. I mean, the challenges are very inconsistent income at first. I mean, it still is. So all over the place mm-hmm. every year, but that is tough to work with when you're starting out. So, you know, working another job is helpful. Mm-hmm. I was lucky and was living at my parents for a while. So that was mm-hmm. great. I didn't have a ton of bills and yeah, I was very shy. Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so it was great because honestly, shooting weddings got me out of my comfort zone. It kind of forced me to jump into extrovert mode (laughs) and really just practice being a more personable person or just Mm -hmm. speaking up. You know, you have to be assertive. People respond really well when you give them direction. So (laughs) it's hard to do, but that was definitely a challenge that helped me in different ways in my life in general. Mm -hmm. That was great and scary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some really great things about it is just having the freedom to make my own schedule and Mm -hmm. have total control over what I'm doing. I'd say that starting out to now, most of the time I took whatever jobs I could get just to make the income. And I think it's good to do that. Just shoot everything, see what you like. And then once you get to a point that you can kind of pick and choose a little more, like do that. I definitely feel I'm at a point where I can do that. And I'm starting to work on more work-life balance because Mm -hmm. it's hard to do. It's hard to say no. I'm definitely a people pleaser. So, or I should say recovering people pleaser now. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Working on boundaries is a tough one. Honestly, like I really just started the boundary work in the last couple of years. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're young. You've got a lifetime. Some of us didn't figure it out until much later. So you're actually ahead of the game, truly. So congratulate yourself. But it's interesting that you talk about how that taking everything, even though it was probably not good in some ways because Mm -hmm. you were overworked, but yet not only did people get to know you, but it also stretched your skill set. Yep. I'm mm-hmm. assuming, right? Yeah, yeah. Just trying different things, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. 
yeah. see what you like and really don't like. <laughs> yeah. And That's yeah, really being good. able to know how to focus later on into mm. the genres that you want to work more or not, mm-hmm. stuff like that is really important. But Very. you know to try. <laughs> yeah. Now, there was something on your website that I thought was so, so interesting. In mm. fact, my VA was fascinated by it too, <laughs> believe it or not. And it's called by hand cereal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a publication that I worked for end of 2019 into the beginning of 2022. And okay. so it was all like fiber art based. So people that made things, mostly knitting, sewing, and there were some like craftspeople. So okay. the basis was that before I was there, they would go to different regions in the US and eventually internationally and focus on like those areas or towns that were kind of cultivating creative communities. So we went to the first one that I worked on was Vermont and New Hampshire. And that's how they Mm -hmm. found me was because I was in New Hampshire. And so we kind of did a little tour for 10 days of going to different artists spaces and learning from different people, kind of seeing what they made. And it was very like yarn and wool specific for the most part. But then we did other things like we met a basket maker, we've met potters, Mm. we've met painters. So there's a wide variety of different artists and makers. So that's why it's called by hand. It's, you know, making things by hand. By hand. And you were photographing everything? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I, yeah, when I did that first issue, Mm -hmm. they hired me for the week or 10 days to photograph everyone that we went to see. And so my photography was basically all the pictures in the issue, unless they needed some filler or whatever. So it was really fun. I loved it. And I thought it was going to be a one-time thing, but then they decided to hire me on as their person, which was great as their photographer. (laughs) Well, it's really a great idea because it sounds like it's really a course, if you want to call it that, in whatever that by hand product is, if you want to call it that. And then all the photographs that go along with it, because every by hand person I know is visual. Yep, totally. Yes, totally. <laughs> so it's very beautiful. So yes, any of you, amazing. Who, oh, just to see all of, and you have mm-hmm. some specific countries by hand. Yes. I think France was one of them, which intrigued me. So, you know, lots of variety, which is mm-hmm. great. So uh, everyone, please do go check that out. Yeah. And you yeah. get knitting patterns and sewing patterns and just fun things to make, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I bet they did very well during COVID. Yeah, I think um, we were really lucky because we still got to travel a bit for the issues. We went to London right before COVID hit and things shut down. So the timing was very lucky. We got a little nervous at the end of the trip, but we made it back. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, we did some special issues. So people had something to look at when they were at home. And we still got to go to some different places as safe as possible. Did a lot of work outside. <laughs> mm-hmm. We did get to visit mm-hmm. some really beautiful regions. And yeah, it was just, it's been such a great experience. Yeah. And it's ongoing, it sounds like. It's continuing. Yeah, it's um, mostly digital right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what direction it's going in next, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's amazing if anyone wants to take a look at it. <laughs> yeah. And then what about this tell? If I just call it tell, but yeah, yeah, I don't fine. know if that's, <laughs> it sounds like some kind of collaboration. You're one of the co-founders of this. What, yes, what is it yeah. about? Tell us. So I believe it was back in 2012, me and my friend Ashley, who is a designer, she's like a graphic designer, artist. 
we decided together that we wanted to create some sort of magazine publication. At the time, everything was very like farm to table. This was when like the big makers movement was coming up. Instagram was just taking off. So it was a really exciting time. (laughs) There were magazines such as Kinfolk that were coming Mm -hmm. out. We loved it. And we just realized that they were never featuring anything in New England. And we're like, why aren't they coming here? Like there's so many great people here and Mm -hmm. artists. And so we were like, let's just start our own thing. And so it really became an awesome community. We met so many different artists, makers, just really awesome business owners. A lot of it was fun because it was really cool women business owners that we featured. And we had a theme each time. So it was all digital, but we designed a digital magazine basically that would be quarterly. So we did that for a while and it's kind of gone back and forth as our lives have gotten busy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we keep trying to revive it. It's mostly just Instagram right now. Mm -hmm. We've kind of done the blogging thing a little bit. We aren't doing any publications right now, but I will say that was definitely a huge part of my business growth was working on that. Because again, it was editorial. It was working with these business owners, getting to know them. So Mm -hmm. it really got my name out there. Yeah. Just one of my favorite things that I've done. (laughs) But I mean, it's crazy how creative you are, but you also have the ideas and then you go do something with it. So because (laughs) having created a magazine myself, Extraordinary Women, it's not a small venture. It's (laughs) significant. Mm -hmm. There's writing. It is. Writing as well as the photography. Mm -hmm. So hats off to you. And I think that I think it's a great idea. I think we need to continue going that direction because often those are women who are businesses that no one knows about. Right. That's the part of it. Yeah. We really wanted to shed light on businesses that people hadn't heard about. Yeah. It's really cool. And we now have seen like a lot of the people we started out with Mm -hmm. and they were just starting out like completely flourish and become bigger. And it's just been amazing to see that process for them as well. Absolutely. Reading those things, even if you don't necessarily live in the area and you can't frequent the particular shop, it also inspires other people who have this idea and say, mm-hmm. how could I get started? Yeah. And like you said, you went to some of the great photographers that you wanted to work alongside mm-hmm. in the beginning. Same thing here. Yeah, it's an exactly. opportunity to find out who's doing yarn from sheep in a particular right. area yeah. and, you know, <laughs> and dipping them in, in vegetables mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever it might be. <laughs> so very fun. So that's something you're continuing to work on. It sounds mm-hmm. like going forward. Yeah. So, What's ahead for Jen? And That's a good question. Wh- yeah. What, <laughs> Something what I've been you, thinking about a lot. <laughs> have you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, um, you know, everyone always asks the questions like, where do you see yourself in five years? Like what's, mm-hmm. what's happening in the future? And so, you know, every year I kind of ask myself the same thing. And right now I think it's a lot of refocusing and maybe just leveling up my food photography because mm-hmm. it's sort of taken a back step to the product photography that I've been doing and brands and which is great. I love that too, but I would, I would love to shoot a cookbook. I would love to do more big studio work and just hone in on my skills a little bit more. Just practice. I feel like I need to practice a little bit, which I Mm -hmm. think is important, you know, keep learning because I shoot a lot for other people, but I don't shoot for myself as often Mm -hmm. as I should. Mm -hmm. And I think doing your own creative projects and kind of experimenting is a really good practice. and. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm hoping to do a bit of that this winter, just kind of play with it a little bit. I haven't done that in a while. Uh (laughs) And yeah, I would love to really, really would love to have a kitchen studio of my own. So I'm kind of figuring out like what that process might look like for me, financially, Mm -hmm. especially. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think really just focusing. I think I had a lot of great work-life balance this year and I would love to continue that. So I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be refocusing on the clients that I want to work with the most, the kind of work that I want to do more of. And to me, all signs are pointing to more food photography. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. I I didn't even think of all the different food photography that we all look at all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Cookbooks. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to yeah. do a cookbook or if it was like a food and lifestyle cookbook. I know a mm-hmm. lot of people and chefs and influencers have books that are not just the food and recipes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like about their life and their mm-hmm. lifestyle. So mm-hmm. I would love to do some more of that. I do have some photography book projects that should be coming out in the next few years. It's always hard to wait, but. <laughs> oh my, wonderful. Yeah. That's very yeah. cool. Well, if I know you, just based on what you've shared with me today, you will be emailing people, you will be communicating (laughs) with people and putting your name out there Mm -hmm. for that next big cookbook. Yeah, definitely. Or whatever. (laughs) What is the name of the book company? Ocelene, or if I'm saying it right, probably not, that does those amazing lifestyle books that are like real yeah, big. Yeah. 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 Huge. Huge. Mm-hmm. I can yeah. See that would be one of those. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Yeah, You've given anytime. us <laughs> tips for with me and my iPhone, so to speak, <laughs> and really shared what the journey of setting up your own business, whether mm-hmm. it's photography or something else involves. So yeah. thank you. I see. Yeah, happy to be here. Oh, good. <laughs> happy to share. And if anyone has any questions, I'm an open book. I always yes. tell people that. Like, I'm happy to share information from what I've learned if yeah. I can. <laughs> That's good. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Jen. Yeah. Well, everyone, I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jen as much as I did. All of Jen's information can be found in the show notes. So do check out her Instagram page, but also her website. Because Jen is one of those creatives who has loads of ideas and yet truly identifies her next steps. She's an inspiration for me and I'm sure you too. Now, if you have any follow-up questions, do connect with Jen. She believes collaboration is key to building community. So don't be shy, as she says. Thank you again for joining us today. And I look forward to our next Extraordinary Women podcast. Abiento.